This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerus, CPA with Parmels and Associates. Virtually all of my clients are auto repair shops, but a lot of these also have other businesses intermingled with their repair shops. Whether it's used car sales, collision shops, or tow trucks, not having a good grasp on the profitability of each aspect of your business can even make the best financials unusable to make major decisions. This is exactly what we're going to talk about this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. Nabitrax will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Visit them online at that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Promotive makes automotive recruitment simple. They go beyond the job boards and take care of every aspect of the recruiting process, giving you more time to focus on your shop and customers. Visit them on the web at gopromotive.com. So one of the major complaints by new clients coming into our firm or, you know, one of the pain points of why they were leaving their current accountant is they don't know what sector of their business is making them or losing them money. This is really, really common, right? Whether you have a towing truck, I got some clients that also have collision shops that kind of swap work back and forth. Obviously, a lot of clients that sell used cars. A lot of people come in there and say, hey, I know the entire enterprise is struggling or maybe not meeting or living up to my expectations, but I'm not really sure which, right? Is the tow business really where I'm making all of my money and I need to really focus more of my time and attention over there? Or is it my repair shop? Or a lot of times I hear this about used cars. Hey, you know what? I feel like the used car is really making all of the money. I just don't have enough time to sell them. But if I got another you know, sales team in there, then it would really be a big profit center. When in actuality, most of these people are kind of doing some math in their head or the back of the napkin type deals, and they don't really have their financials set up in an effective way to be able to understand this or really to be able to look at this in a level of detail that you need to. I want to kind of talk about an example that happened a couple of years back. And, you know, this might not be the same ancillary business as everyone, but the fundamental ideas behind it and the ultimate outcome, I think, is something that everyone can kind of learn something from. So this business was doing about $3 million a year. And a little bit about this client is he has a diesel shop on road diesel, right? 18 wheelers and stuff like that. Now, because of that, he also had a trucking business as well. And that was all running through the shop. And just like a lot of business owners, he knew that the overall business was not profitable as he'd like it, but he didn't know where to start looking, right? Because all of this was come to the same place, the trucking, the repairs of these trucks, You know, the swapping of work back and forth and even the purchasing of these vehicles were all going to the same exact buckets in a combined financial statement. Like I've always talked about before, the number one rule on this is if your financials are not set up correctly, no amount of knowledge or expertise can decipher what to do next. I look at these numbers all day, every day, and there's some times where I can look at it. Now, would I be able to say this with 100% confidence? No, not at all. But I look at numbers all day, every day. So sometimes in a situation like this, I can kind of go down through, I would say, pull out extremes, right? If this business is absolutely not making any money, even if it's all intermingled, I could probably say, hey, I'm not sure that this is really bleeding you dry, but I know it's not making you much money. And on the opposite side of things, if it really is a very, very profitable enterprise and there's not a whole lot of expenses to it, 
Again, I can probably pick that up. Most people fall somewhere in the middle, and truly a lot of these are so intermingled that it takes even us a little bit of time to truly peel the onion back and see what we're working with. But anyways, client brought this up, and so I said, hey, you know, what is your personal philosophy on this, or what have you kind of done to analyze this yourself? And he really thought that the trucking side or the transport side of his business was really what made him all the money. And now most of his time, you know, as far as dedication and motivation, were dictated on the repair shop. He spent a lot of his time actually on the trucking side of it and truly felt that if he dedicated even more, was to free himself up in the shop and focus on the trucking more, that would make his business even that much more profitable. And so I said, okay, got it. You know, I want to hear the backstory on this because a lot of times it's not just the numbers. I need to hear the story behind it to not only make sure that we're encompassing everything, but sometimes there's a lot of added details there that just aren't apparent of looking at numbers and accounts in QuickBooks. So when I kind of dug into a little bit more, I said, all right, you think that the trucking side of this is your most profitable side. Why do you think that? What is kind of leading you to this conclusion? So he went down a couple different things with me. And the first of which was that the trucks were generally extremely cheap or free. So, you know, you might be able to get a used Peterbilt or Kenworth or whatever it is. I don't know, $75,000, $80,000. But he was getting a lot of these things for literally nothing or maybe paying five, six grand because he's in that sector. He's in that business. People knew that he was a mechanic for these. So he got a lot of those deals on a lot of those projects. And so some of the other operators might be out there with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of trucks. He probably had less than a hundred of what he thought in his entire fleet of trucks. He thought very low cost of capital, very easy for me to get into the side as far as asset and a lot easier for me compared to some of my competition. Another aspect of this is, you know, these were used trucks. They're going to need to be repaired. There wasn't warranties or anything like that. But lucky for him, repairs were free. I'm doing air quotes here. You obviously can't see this, but this was the exact line from him. Hey, the repairs are free, right? I own a repair shop. And he kind of moved on to the next one and I just kind of let it lie. Now, this one was where I knew that we immediately started to have some issues because I don't truly think he understood how to look at this correctly. And so I said, okay, continue on after you've mentioned these free repairs. Another one was that the cost of labor was very cheap. And no, it's not because he paid his guys very little. He paid them fair rates, but he was also doing a good bit of the trucking as well. So some of the routes, if he was able to get it after work or even sometimes leaving during work hours, he was taking and a couple other things around there. He was picking up those shifts instead of hiring someone else. Essentially, almost working two jobs or at least one and a half in a week between the time he dedicated in a repair shop and the towing or not the towing and the transport side of it when he was actually driving the trucks. And lastly on this, he mentioned there is not much overhead, quote unquote. Again, using his quotes, not mine. And we'll kind of get into these a little bit more there. But the idea behind it was, hey, when I went out and said, all right, I'm going to start doing trucking, it's not like I had to start paying more rent or it's not like my office supply started costing more. It's already here. So this is just adding even more money to the overall bottom line. I think that you probably know which direction this is going because I'm not going to you know, use this as an example as a success story and just say, hey, he was exactly right. And he already knew this. You don't even look at your numbers. You know that this is going to be a little bit of a twist of, hey, once you actually start looking at these numbers, you might come up with a completely different conclusion. You are exactly right here. But if we want to start looking at these numbers, we need to figure out how to actually set these numbers up. 
I'm going to be using QuickBooks in this. Whenever I talk about financials, whenever I talk about probably any sort of accounting or accounting reports, I'm talking QuickBooks. If you don't use QuickBooks, if you use something else, take it with a grain of salt. Now, for the other 99.999% of you, I want to make sure that I can actually give you actionable items that you can do in your own QuickBooks file to hopefully give yourself some more clarity as well. So if we're going to separate this out, if we're going to separate these businesses out and analyze it, we need to do the same in QuickBooks. Really, when you start getting into different profit centers, one of the most common things that people do is use separate classes in QuickBooks. What is a class in QuickBooks? A class in QuickBooks is a way to sort all of your financials, but really we're going to be talking mostly about the profit and loss statement. So let's say that I have a repair shop, I have a transport, and those are my two classes of my shop, just like in this situation. What you could do is you would make a class called repair, a class called transport, and you would have a profit and loss for repair, a profit and loss for transport, and then the third column would be the overall enterprise. So if you wanted to and you just want to say, hey, what is everything doing? You could look at it, but these classes allow you to have separate P&Ls for each of those different things. Should you be using a class or should you be using just different sales and cost of goods sold categories? It's a question that I hear a lot. And sometimes I think people overthink this a little bit. If you have no real additional overhead expenses, right? If meaning, let's say that your overhead for your shop is $30,000. And if you were to look at this other business, whether it's used cars, whether it's towing, whether it's transport, and it only adds two or $3,000 maybe to your overhead, it's not a material amount. I don't want to have a separate P&L because really all that I'm going to be splitting out is sales and cost of goods sold because the overhead is going to be relatively bare because most of that is shared with my other location. In that situation, if really it's just the sales and cost of goods sold that are separate, I'm just going to make an additional sales category, right? And this one called trucking sales and a different cost of goods sold category called trucking cost of goods sold. And that's where we can put our other direct expenses and stuff like that there. Now, if there is another physical location, hey, I run my you know repair shop out of this location and I run my collision shop out of this one, separate rents, then yeah, we are going to have a completely different class for that. So if you have a separate physical location, 99% of the time, we are going to use a separate class. However, if your overhead is all shared, again, you can still use a class on us if you want to, right? It's you, whatever makes sense to you. But generally, to keep this clean, concise, and not make things overcomplicated, I'm just going to use a sales and cost of goods sold category. Okay, overhead shared, one class, overhead separate or substantial overhead on each, separate classes in QuickBooks. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need NapaTrax because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. NapaTrax has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. 
Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Shop owners, are you struggling to find and retain top-tier talent for your automotive shop? Introducing Promotive on the web at gopromotive.com. With over 40 years of combined industry and recruiting experience, we're the ultimate staffing solution. We go beyond traditional agencies. Our team provides dedicated recruiters and account managers advising on processes, compensation, and benefits. We focus on placing technicians and service advisors with shops that offer the best culture, training, and long-term growth opportunities. Trust our experience to match the right talent to your shop. We carefully select shops that value employee excellence and provide an environment for success. Our dedicated team leads the entire process, leveraging our industry knowledge and expertise. Partner with Promotive and experience their advantage to help you build a high-performing team that drives your shop's growth. Visit gopromotive.com today and let us help find and keep the best talent in the industry. If I'm talking about, you know, a business or a sector of my business that makes up a sizable amount of my overall sales, then yeah, I'm going to use the sales category and the cost of goods sold. Now, if you have a real side business, like a lot of guys, you know, maybe run U-Haul or do some storage stuff on the side, that is probably not a core profit line or a core profit center of your business. I wouldn't put that up in sales, regular sales and kind of muddy the water there. I put some of that ancillary, like real ancillary businesses down in other expenses in other income so that we can still look at it, but it doesn't kind of, you know, shift anything around for my core business. Kind of going on to this next one here, you know, if we just go down to profit and loss, we obviously had to split out the sales for this client. What is your repair shop sales? What is your transport sales? Now, this is the easiest and probably for most people, it's already being done. For most people, this is, you know, if they might have a very murky picture of what these two, you know, profit centers look like, the one thing that they're usually pretty clear on is what the sales that each of them are doing. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, it can be a little bit of a misnomer by just looking at sales if we've talked about time and time again. Obviously, make sure that the sales are split out, whether you're doing it to a different class or like in this category, we're going to have labor sales, part sales, shop supply sales, sublet sales, all of that's just for the repair shop. And then we'll have one sales line that we're just going to call transport sales. Clean, concise, gives us all the information that we need. Next thing on there is we have cost of goods sold. And for a repair shop, we know what most cost of goods sold is. It's going to be our technician cost, parts cost, sublet cost, tire cost, shop supply cost, and sometimes service advisor cost. We're not getting into the argument, is that a cost of goods sold or expense? But generally, cost of goods sold are direct expense associated with the sales, and in most cases, variable as well. Meaning sales go up, cost of goods so- cost of goods sold go up. Sales go down, cost of goods sold also generally goes down. Same exact thing for a trucking company. If I'm looking at the cost of goods sold, I'm thinking to myself, all right, what is directly tied to my sales? What do I need to have if I have sales and vice versa? If I don't have sales, I shouldn't have any of these expenses. And so a couple major things for a trucking company. One of the biggest expenses for a transport company or really any sort of automobile related business like this is going to be cost like fuel, insurance, repairs, and the overall cost of the vehicles. If we do not have any trucks, we do not have any trucking company. So for a trucking company, we're going to have in their fuel, we're going to have in their insurance registration, we're going to have repairs of these trucks, we're going to have the insurance related to these trucks. When it goes to labor inputs on this, I'm going to have my tow truck drivers in there. I'm going to have my tow truck workers comp in there as well. 
There are a number of different things that you could have that go along with this, but really you think to yourself, all right, what expenses are directly related to this trucking business or this used car business, right? Or this collision business that absolutely are directly tied to sales. Meaning if these sales go away, these expenses no longer exist. Now, these are generally going to be the most significant amounts that you pay as well, since a lot of our overhead is going to be shared. And then that's where we get to the next category. Anything else that's left over, whether it's the repair shop or transport, is going to go into our expenses, right? Advertising, dues and subscriptions, rent, utilities, health insurance, all of these different things are going to go into our expenses. And really, if you're looking at different profit sectors here, sales are obviously going to be split between the two profit centers. Cost of goods sold are obviously going to be split between the two profit centers as well. And the overall overhead expenses are something that is going to be shared by both of these sectors or all of the sectors, no matter how many of them you have. This is talking about doing all of it, like I said, of doing different sales and cost of goods sold categories. How would this be different if you had classes? Really, the biggest difference is if you have different sales and expense categories than doing classes is if you do classes, you can use all the account names. So in this situation, we have labor sales, part sales, transport sales. If I wanted to have a completely separate class, I could just run all my transport sales and just call them labor sales. Because even though it would show one combined labor sales, I'd be able to look at the repair class and the transport class. Same thing with some of the labor cost of goods sold and overall expenses. I don't need advertising for this location, advertising for that one. The classes are going to signify who goes where. When we look at overhead, right, we're talking right now before the overhead is all combined, so I don't really need to split it. But let's say that you have a shared expense, whether it's advertising or maybe even rent. Hey, half my business takes up one side, the other business takes up the other side. Rent is $8,000. I'm going to put 4,000 in one class, 4,000 in another, so that each class is kind of paying their respective share. Either way on this one, we want a way to look at this and say, all right, if these are two arm's length businesses, two unrelated businesses, what does the overall profitability look like? A lot of this stuff, when you get into nitty gritty details, can get a little bit tricky. Hey, if I did have this business, I wouldn't have this extra expense, but I'm not sure. Don't get caught up too much in some of the small details. Sometimes it takes that much that you need to kind of go down to that granular level to really figure it out. A lot of times you're missing the point. And if you really looked at the big picture and some of the big expenses, probably are going to get your answer right there. If you're needing to look and figure out how much office supplies is really for your towing business, not your repair shop, the margins are probably too slim and you probably already have your decision made. Now that we have all this split out, this is when we were really just start to look into this. And not that this is how the conversation went with my client, but I have to kind of go back on some of the things that he mentioned on how we were able to kind of change his overall view of things based on these newfound information or the newly set up financials that were able to give us this information fairly easily. The first one is, is he bought the trucks for cheap or sometimes even free. Again, when I went into this before, and even when my client told me this, I didn't really kind of speak out of term because I truly didn't think. I had an idea on this, but I didn't truly know. So I'll give you a great example of one of the situations that we kind of uncovered when we went and looked at this is we went down and we said, all right, that truck that you bought for $5,000, let's really figure out what exactly happened there. So you truly did write a check for $5,000 and bought this used truck. 
But what you did not mention is that you had a $20,000 ticket and a customer walked away from it because he didn't have the cash and just decided to forfeit his vehicle. Did that really only cost you $5,000 or $25,000? All right, so right there, you got to look at that already. And there's arguments on this, but just stay with me. Now, he did get some trucks for cheap. I'm not going to lie on this. Like I said, it's if someone was selling a truck, they knew that he was probably interested in at least talking. And let's say that that $5,000 truck, that was it. There was no other ticket he walked away from. He just got a screaming deal on it. Sure, he could drive it and probably had to put some money into it as well. Or he could turn around and flip it for $30,000 and pocket $25,000 in profit with almost little effort. All of this is opportunity cost. What is the highest and most profitable use of your time? And instead of looking at, hey, what did this cost me? You start looking at what did this cost me because I chose to do this and not that, right? So at the very base level, you have to look at this of, okay, I didn't actually pay 5000 for this truck. I actually paid more like 30000 once I factor in what my guys could have been doing instead of working on this that we never got paid for. And even in a situation, if you two get a screaming deal on this, then hey, maybe it would be more profitable to not even get that truck and staff it and get insurance for this. But just to say, great, thanks for the truck. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to flip it on this you know, classified ad and get my money and walk away with very, very little inputs. Going right along that same idea here, the repairs were quote unquote free. And I think that you knew if you've been listening to this any amount of time, this was probably the most egregious statement that he made. Because what he was saying when his repairs were free is that he didn't have to pay anything for it, right? He was already paying his technicians. And I mean, the part side, I guess he just overlooked. But a lot of this job was really, really labor intensive. Cost only makes sense if there's no work to do, right? Even if we're factoring the cost of parts, that's saying, hey, I went out and I bought that water pump and my technician put it on and took him six hours on it. It didn't cost me other than $85 for the water pump. That's assuming that the opportunity cost means that your technician would have just been sitting there idle, not doing anything. And if that's the case, if you have a technician not sitting there, not doing anything, then I will agree with you that you should have just been looking at at cost. Now you have a deeper productivity issue there and probably an extreme situation, but you have to look at what is the best and highest use of my technician's time as well. An extreme example here, but really to just kind of hammer this home, is let's say that there is a job, and I'm sure that there is, and for especially for something this big, that calls for 40 hours of labor in very little parts. Like maybe it's some sort of fab work or frame repair. If I'm just looking like the old way, this is literally free. 40 hours, I was already going to pay my technician to be here anyways. And I just had them working on that, not other customers' cars. Now think to yourself how much your average technician bills you out in a week. That's your real cost because even though that technician, quote unquote, didn't cost you anything, you were going to pay him that paycheck anyways. He did not drive any sales into your business. He didn't drive any gross profit dollars. He actually costed you them. You know, and maybe that technician could have been billing out five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars who knows, but it's a lot more than the zero that he did. This, I would say, is the most common mistake. And I see this with tow trucks. I see this with used car businesses. If you have ancillary businesses, stop discounting this stuff to yourself. Back up and say, not only would I pay to someone else on the open market if I were to go out and have to pay someone else to do these repairs, but what am I kind of devaluing my own services by thinking that my own help or my own team here is sitting idle just waiting to do non-paying work. Now, the next one that he said here is he drove and it is free. 
hey, you know what? I'm the tow truck driver, so that's straight profit for me. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but how much is your time worth? And if you actually have somewhat of a reasonable hourly rate, you're either missing the point or you're just really bored, I guess. If your business cannot support to pay you a fair wage and make a profit, it's no longer a business. And in this case, what we would have done here, what we ended up doing, is we had factored in a driver. Because if you're not making a profit here, you're just a hopefully highly compensated employee. And in this case, he wasn't even very highly compensated. And the last one on here that he mentioned is not much overhead related to his transport business. Now, what he really meant is there was not much added overhead. You know, I alluded to this before, rent didn't change. I didn't need to get another location. Utilities, since his rent was staying the same and he didn't really kind of use any more energy by having the transport business, didn't change at all. A lot of his overhead remained virtually unchanged. There were some things that changed though, and insurance is a great example of this. So obviously the expense specifically related to those workers comp for the tow truck drivers and the truck insurance for the actual 18 wheelers here are going to go to cost of goods sold. But his overall liability insurance went up. His overall umbrella policy went up because he was deemed a higher risk. So be very mindful of this because sometimes, and these are what I call soft costs, right? Hey, it didn't double because I went this, but because of X, Y, and Z, it kind of started increasing some of these expenses. 5% here, 10% there. And while none of this might be major, sometimes these can be a soft killer as well and kind of bleeding you dry slowly without you even realizing it. Overall, though, when we looked at his true cost, it was really clear from the start. We didn't have to get into the soft cost. I was wondering, but before we even got there, it was readily apparent. And after paying the drivers at a fair market value rate, factoring in fuel, which this was even split out, it was all in kind of one category, insurance for the trucks and drivers, and the real cost of repairs, the business didn't even make money from the start. And this is before we even get into the added overhead. Once we were truly paying drivers, fuel, repairs, all of that stuff at fair market value, it was no longer profitable at all. Let alone if he was actually having to go out and finance a truck because he could no longer kind of keep these old ones on the road or some of the laws had changed on it. This was not even a profitable business before we got into any of that. And this was truly eye-opening for him because he is a very smart businessman and his gut was leading him completely wrong. Because fundamentally, the way that he looked at a lot of this business was just kind of a bit off from the get-go. None of this stuff was free. And once he started looking at this, he really said, you know what, this makes a lot more sense. Why am I discounting this stuff just because I happen to own my other business? I need to be operating these things both from a profitable standpoint. And the only way to do this is to understand your true cost and the true relationship between the two. Now, getting the info is one thing. Acting on it can be a harder thing sometimes. And what did he do? How did this story end up? This is probably a unique one because a lot of times, you know, we go down through and we do this exercise, give people good information, give people bad information. And honestly, I've unpacked others where it's been bleeding even worse than this. Like, holy cow, you are losing every cent that you're making over here because this one is dragging you down. Now, a lot of times my clients end up keeping it right? Whether it's a passion project, whether it's a family member running it, whatever it is, sometimes it's just very hard, especially if you've been doing it for a long time. But in my client's situation, he knew what he wanted to do. He's in business to make money. He's not in here to, you know, hang around. And you know what? He might not have disliked driving trucks, but it definitely wasn't what got him up in the morning. So over the course of about two months, he completely shut that side of the business down, liquidated all the trucks. The timing on it actually worked out really well. 
got a bunch of money in his pocket and freed up a lot of his own time to go back and focus solely on the repair business. Flash forward to a couple of years on this, the business has had great growth over the last couple of years and really is more profitable than it has ever been. Even personally, he's got a lot of his time back. Not only is he working less, he's making more money. Is this credit to me as a success story for Hunt? No, not at all. I didn't start this business. I didn't grow this business. I don't know how work on trucks or even drive an 18-wheeler. Eh, probably could. How hard can it be? Now, God forbid someone let me in one of those. But really, this is just showing the business owner getting the proper tools. Once they got the proper tools, once they got the proper information, the decision was easy. And even for my client, the execution was easy as well. He just didn't know where to start. And really, as an accountant, I feel like that that's my job. It is not my job to tell you what to do. It's my job to give you the information and explain it to you in a way that you can understand it to make these own decisions for yourself. I've never been in your shop. I don't know what your dreams, your aspirations are, what your local economy looks like. I'm going to give you the tools. It's up to you to do as you please with that information. How can you learn from this for your business, right? Hey, hon, I don't have a transport company. I have a used car business. All of this stuff is really translatable into all of these different aspects of this with a couple core ideas. We need to make sure that we're looking at related businesses as if they were unrelated. Don't think, what does this cost me? But what would this cost me to pay someone else to do this? Not only does that give you a better idea of what you should really be paying yourself, but that's actually what the true cost really is. Also, make sure this information is set up in a report that you can understand. Just like my client, going with your gut isn't always best. And sometimes you're too close and you have to look at the real dollars and cents. And if you keep on kind of, you know, doing some math, there's a very good chance that you're picking up all of the sales. There's also an extremely good chance that you're not picking up all of the true expenses. And lastly, don't be afraid to do this. And if you do do this, don't be afraid to make a decision because of it. I have a lot of clients that I feel that sometimes are sticking their head in the sand and they like to question if this or that is really happening or hurting their business, but they're afraid to look. There's a great saying, don't ask a question that you don't want to hear the answer to. And even though that you don't always want to hear it, generally you need to. I hope this was helpful. Please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a future episode, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.